Let us pray. Come, Holy Spirit, inspire our hearts and cleanse our thoughts, that when our Lord Jesus Christ comes again, he may find in us a mansion prepared for himself, who lives and reigns with you and the Father, one God, world without end. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Now, let me say right up front that if you're a lawyer in the congregation this morning, you're safe. I won't say a single word in my sermon about any attorney at all. So, (laughs) the Pharisee who was a lawyer questioned Jesus. No? All right. I'll try again with humor later in the sermon and we'll see how it goes. Well, most of you know that we're having our annual stewardship campaign right now. And we are laying out the hopes and the dreams of our growing congregation. And of course, we're inviting everyone, everyone to participate in the vision that God has given us here at Christ the Redeemer by our gifts of time and talent and through the stewardship campaign itself, our gifts of treasure. And in order for us to look ahead, it's often useful for us to look back to see the things that got us here in the first place. And you might say that today God has given us a little bit of a softball, so to speak, In the gospel we just read, Jesus proclaims the great commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. This, of course, is the first part of the mission statement here at Christ the Redeemer, but you already know that because you know our mission statement by heart. So let's look back for a minute. Let's look back at how we began as a congregation. What was it that charted out the course that we're following today. Well, some of you, some of you remember the name Jim Griffith. Coach Griffith, as we affectionately referred to him, Coach Griffith was our church planting coach. You see, none of us had ever planted a church before. Coach Griffith had planted several churches himself, and he had coached hundreds of church planters and church plants. And this is what he had to say to us, one of the most fundamental things that Coach Griffith taught us. He said, many people believe that church planting is about the Great Commission. He said, church planting involves the Great Commission, but church planting is about the Great Commandment. The issue, he said, is the order of priority. He said, the first responsibility of every Christian is to love God. To love Him with all our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. And it is out of this love for God that we rightly learn how to love our neighbor. This, of course, makes sense. God manifests His love to us through Jesus Christ. In turn, we return love to God. And then we spread the love of God in Christ Jesus out into the world. So putting things together for church planting, Coach Griffith gave us the image of a rocket ship. The first cell, the one that pushes the rocket off of the platform, the one is the primary fire and heat and energy, the one that defies the affections of this world, so to speak. Well, this is the love of God exploding in the heart of the Christian. The second cell, the one that flies us into the heavenly realms, breaking through the bondages and boundaries of this natural world, launching us into the manifestations of the supernatural life of God, Well, this is the love of our neighbor, the second commandment that is like the first. And the third cell, so to speak, the one that energizes our new life in this supernatural world, the one that guides us, directs us, and sends us forth on our journey, this is 
the Great Commission, where we go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that Jesus has commanded us. So that everything that we have done here at Christ the Redeemer over the first 10 years of our common life, everything has been built upon these basic biblical principles. The worship service itself, the Bible studies for all ages, the fellowship, the pastoral care and the prayer, the evangelistic efforts, the missionary work that we undertake and the missionaries who we support. And I have to say that you yourselves, we are evidence of all of these efforts. The now more than 200 people who call Christ the Redeemer their spiritual home, this church, this congregation, this community, we are a living testimony that God has a plan and that God's plan works. Amen? Amen. All right. Now, having looked back at how we began, let's take a few minutes to look ahead. Let's explore what we hope to do here at Christ the Redeemer, considering God's plans and purposes for our future. And my friends, among the many things we can do here at Christ the Redeemer, and among the many things we should and even will do here at Christ the Redeemer, is the one thing that we must do as a church and as Christians. We must remain committed to the salvation of the lost. Let me say that again. We must remain committed to the salvation of the lost. So I want us to look at the great commandment again. And I want to see it not just as an order of priority in planting a church, but let's talk about it as a means to our mission in the salvation of souls for Jesus Christ. The gospel we just read. It says that the Pharisees came to Jesus and they came to him because they wanted to test him. Teacher, they said, what's the great commandment in the law? And of course, Jesus responds with the words that we know. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. But I want us to notice especially what happens next. Here's the crucible of what I want us to see this morning. Because after Jesus answers the Pharisees, then he turns to them. And he turns the question on them, so to speak. What about you, Mr. Pharisee? What do you think of the Christ? Whose son is he? And the Pharisees answer, he is the son of David. So they get that part right. And then Jesus asks them another question. He says, how is it then that David, inspired by the Spirit, calls him Lord? And if David calls him Lord, how can he be his son? And then the scriptures say, They couldn't answer him. And no one dared to ask him any more questions after that. So what just happened here? What is Jesus teaching the Pharisees? And how does this help us in our own efforts as evangelists here in the 21st century? It's simply this. This is what I will hope we would take home and apply into our lives. This is what I want us to soak into our spirit this morning because this is what Jesus is showing us as the most fundamental truth that we're reading about today. It is this. The words of God, the words of God that are written down in Scripture, they are there to reveal the Word of God who is Jesus Christ. 
right? The words of God that are written in Scripture, they are there to reveal Jesus. They are there to point us to Jesus. They are there to lead us to Jesus Christ. Let's get at it this way. You see, the whole purpose of the Bible, the very point of the sacred Scriptures, is to lead us into a love relationship with Jesus Christ. The Bible, as you've heard this before, is God's love letter to us to show us that Jesus is the lover of our soul. All of the things written in the Old Testament, the history, the law, the poetry, the prophets, all of them point to the person of Jesus Christ. The gospel and the epistles of the New Testament. The gospels tell us who Jesus is and the epistles tell us, so what? What do we do now? How then shall we live having heard this good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Said another way, and let me get a little Baptist on us here. The Bible is God's divine revelation that's filled with information to lead us to transformation and salvation. We can just throw a whole bunch of words on, right? The Bible is God's divine revelation that's filled with information to lead us to transformation. And I like salvation. We'll add that too. In other words, let's say it this way. What good is a love letter without someone who loves us, right? What good is a love letter without someone who loves us? So here's the opportunity for evangelism in the great commandment. You and I know this already as Christians. There's a whole world of people out there who are not Christians. And in a way, they're a little bit like the Pharisees. For them, the Bible is a book that talks about God. But then for them, the Bible just amounts to a bunch of rules and regulations. One command, ten commands, 613 commands in the Old Testament. And that doesn't even count the New Testament, right? And guess what? The great commandment for them may sound like what? Just another command. Just another rule. Just another way to try to pull up our own moral bootstraps and see if we can satisfy God who just likes to give us a whole bunch of laws and rules to follow. That's often how non-Christians see the sacred scriptures. After all, what kind of God commands us to love Him? What kind of God commands us to love another person? And what kind of love is that if it's simply a command? For them, the scriptures are just a bunch of religious do's and don'ts. Like the Pharisees, in a sense, they can't see the forest for the trees. They may see the scriptures, but they don't see the Savior. They may read the words of God, but they don't know the Word of God. So what do we do? How do we help those who see the Bible simply as a religious rule book? How do we show them that the words of God are meant to reveal the Word of God, who is Jesus Christ? I want to suggest this this morning, brothers and sisters. Simply put, the way for us to do that is, is just to take care of our own hearts, in a sense. Let me explain what I mean. You see, if we're not careful, sometimes we can fall into the same trap as the Pharisees. And we might even do it for similar kinds of reasons. We all see the problems of this world. We all want God to do something about it. And wouldn't it be great if we could just command everyone into obedience? 
Wouldn't it be great if I could just stand up in my house and every time I issued a command, everybody just lined up and did it. Now look at the faces on my family. Wouldn't that be awesome? I command you to empty the trash. And everybody, can you, they're, they're like trying to get out of their seats so they can go home and do it right now. You get what I'm saying. It can be so tempting for Christians to want to use the Bible as a weapon, to try to whip people into shape with the words of God rather than winning them to the Word of God, who is Jesus Christ. And it's so easy for us to want our Messiah to be just like the ones the Pharisees wanted and even the ones that the disciples wanted. A warrior king who will come down and just crush all of our opponents. You remember the words of the disciples, Lord, can we just call down fire from heaven? And every guy in the room, their lies lie like we get to be spiritual pyromaniacs. Can we just call down fire from heaven? Can we just wipe it out with fire? The sort of biblical scorched earth policy, right? We all feel that way sometimes, or maybe I'm just preaching to myself this morning. And that's okay, because I need it too. But my friends, we know this. That's not how God did it, and that's not how God does it. God doesn't stand up on His throne in heaven and just shout the Scriptures at us from above. And He doesn't wipe us out when He doesn't like what we're doing. You see, anyone can start a fight with Scripture. Anyone can eliminate another person with brute force. It's fairly easy to do that, but it's rather unloving, isn't it? And it's not how God treated us when we sinned against Him. Instead, in the words of St. Paul, He showed us a more excellent way. Love is patient. I know in my own life I could stop right there and hang out on that first sentence for a long time, see the nods in my family again. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not boast. Love is not proud. Love does not dishonor others. Love is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices in the truth. Love always protects always trust, love always hopes, love always perseveres, love never fails. Let me go off the script here for just a minute. When I was in real estate, I had to learn the value of perseverance. That if I wanted to make the deal, if I wanted to close the sale, if I wanted to put the money in my bank account, sometimes I just had to take one more step than the other person was willing to take to make the transaction happen. Love is a little bit like that. Love always perseveres. Sometimes you just have to say one more thing. Sometimes you have to just do one more thing. Sometimes you just have to take one more self-sacrifice to show, to, to break through the shell and the exterior. Because all of us can become subject to hardness of heart. 
this second way, this way of love is much harder, it's much costlier, it requires great sacrifice, but never the sacrifice of the other. Instead, love is self-sacrificial for the sake of other, just like Jesus, who gave himself as a living sacrifice for our sake. To quote our own Anglican Bishop N.T. Wright, what Jesus says here about loving God and loving one another, it only makes sense when it's put within the context of the larger message of Matthew's gospel. The picture of Jesus dying for the sins of the world and rising again with the message of new life. They're not to be seen as orders to be obeyed in our own strength as if we could even do that. But rather they're invitations as a new way of life in which bit by bit, and I love how he says this, in which bit by bit, hatred and pride can be left behind. Imagine your journey to the cross, right? And you're just bit by bit leaving behind hatred and pride as you come to the cross of Christ Jesus. This, he concludes, is when love becomes a reality. And I would say this is when the great command comes to life. This is when mission and evangelism are alive, when the words of God in Scripture are met together with the Word of God, who is Jesus Christ. This is why it's so important, as Father Mark challenged us last week, to read our Bibles on a daily basis. The words of God in Scripture are there to show us the Word of God who is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword. His name is Jesus Christ. So it forces the question, is there something that God wants you to leave behind this morning? Is there something God is asking me to leave behind this morning? Is there something perhaps that you and I have been holding on to that we have been harboring? A bitter root perhaps somewhere in our heart. Friends, it's so easy and we're no different. I get them. I have them. And I have to lay them down. That's what it means to be a sinner in the hands of a loving and merciful God. Because in a few minutes we get to experience this. Not just the words of the liturgy, but the Word of God who meets us through the words of the liturgy as we make our humble confession to Almighty God. And then in the great divine exchange that happens every Sunday morning here at Christ the Redeemer, each of us gets to come forward and we get to give God everything that he had, we have. And do you know what He gives us in return? He gives us Himself. To every single one of us, every single time, every single Sunday. This is the great altar call that happens at Christ the Redeemer every single Sunday morning. We make our confession. We acknowledge before Him that everything's not right in our lives. We come to Him with all that we have and all that we are. And every single time, He gives us Himself. And then... We get to take it out into the world. Everywhere we go, because when we know the gift of love that God is truly giving to us, we won't have to be commanded by the letter of the law. We'll be compelled by the Spirit of God who's living in there to run into the world and declare the good news of God in Christ Jesus 
to every creature under heaven. Amen? Because here's the deal. The same compassion, the same compassion that God shows to us in Christ Jesus is the same compassion He wants for us to show others. This is the spiritual fuel that fans the fire of God into flame in this world. And what does all of this have to do with our stewardship campaign? I think the answer is easy. I think the answer is easy. Because what you're doing here matters. And what you're doing here matters not just in this temporal life, it matters for eternity because everything we're doing here is a dress rehearsal for the heavenly banquet that God is preparing for us. And our call and our commission is to invite as many people as we can to the feast. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold Him who takes away the sins of the world. Happy are they who are called to the wedding feast of the Lamb. Because what we are doing here matters for eternity, therefore give to the glory of God. Because this ministry at Christ the Redeemer matters, therefore give to the glory of God. And I love the way this one preacher put it. He said, don't give until it hurts. Give until you're happy. Let me try that again. Don't give until it hurts. Give until you're happy because God loves a cheerful giver. So what does that mean and how does that work? Quickly closing with this. It means get together with God this week. Spend time studying the words of Scripture until the Word of God speaks to you and says, this is what will make us happy. Because that's what a love relationship is all about. When two hearts are happy. Let us pray. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, ten years ago, You called Christ the Redeemer into existence. You gave us this name that we might be ambassadors of Christ who is our Redeemer. You have called over 200 people now into these pews. And You have inspired them to meet in a, in a ballroom with, with beer. And, and, and with disco balls and mirrors on the walls. And in your perfect time, when you wanted us to be, Lord, a more, a more permanent community, you put us in this shopping center. And you've brought more people. And when they come, Lord, they say, well, this, this doesn't look like a shopping center. They say this looks like a, a community of God. And it's because they see the love of Jesus Christ being manifest among the people here at Christ the Redeemer. Come, Holy Spirit, inspire our hearts and cleanse our thoughts that when our Lord Jesus Christ comes again, he may find in us a mansion prepared for himself who lives and reigns with you and the Father, one God, world without end. Amen. Amen.